0: Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. I'm Adam Huss coming to you from Los Angeles, California. Thanks so much for listening. The sponsor for this episode is Centralis Wine. Centralis is an ecological winery that I started to protect or benefit the environment and my community with every business and winemaking decision. I envision a wine world in which humans are the students and servants of the non-human world, regenerating and protecting the vitality of ecosystems and promoting the diversity of life through wines that uniquely and deliciously reflect local abundance. Centralis wines feature foraged prickly pears, urban perennial polyculture, wine garden produced grapes and other fruit, gleanings from urban fruit trees, dry farmed century old vines, and organic and biodynamic viticulture. If this sounds interesting to you, join our email list or wine club at centraliswine.com. That's C E N T R A L A S wine.com. My guests for this episode are the father and son team Doug and Andrew Becker of Montpelier Vineyards in Montpelier, Vermont. Montpelier Vineyards is currently the only certified organic winery north of the Mason-Dixon line that I'm aware of, though there may be more in the process and soon to be certified. As a quick clarification, a certified organic winery must have two certifications, one for the vineyard and one for the winery. There are two, Definitely other certified vineyards in New England, but only Montpelier Vineyards has both vineyard and winery certifications. Doug and Andrew tell us their story, and we get technical about some of the challenges of Vermont viticulture as well as how to deal with VA and reduction in the winery. There are some really helpful tidbits here that could help wine growers and winemakers everywhere. Doug and Andrew may introduce you to some new terminology as well, because in addition to grape wines, they make piments, sizers, and melomels and discuss the practice of bleeding apples. We also discuss the particular hybrid grapes that they're growing and the pros and cons. They are one of the few growers of a new hybrid grape named Petite Pearl that shows a lot of promise. And in fact, they sent me a bottle of their Montpelier Vineyards 2021 Wild Fermented Petite Pearl that we discussed in the interview. And since this was recorded a few weeks ago, I've had a chance to try it. The color is the first remarkable aspect of this wine. Inky, opaque purple. Hinged magenta at the rim, extremely dark. After swirling in the glass, the legs oozed down almost as dark as the wine itself. It smelled initially of blue fruit, snowy mountain air, strangely, (laughs) grape jelly, and a bit of cocoa powder. It is extremely fresh, still young, while also rich and full bodied. It achieves that deft feat of having significant weight, even I would say gravitas, without an ounce of heaviness. Only 12.5% alcohol. The closest association I can make to something you might have drunk is along the lines of the black wines of Gaô or something like a varietal Tanat or Tiroltigo. After a couple days in the refrigerator, it opened up and became even more chocolatey and creamier in texture. So while this was a delight to drink now, I think it will age very well and improve for quite a while. I've never done tasting notes like this before, so I hope that speaks for itself. I loved drinking this wine. And I think that it shows that the future of wine made from hybrid grapes is extremely bright, and that's not a climate change joke. So get some if you can. Petite Pearl was bred by Tom Plocker, who I mispronounce as Plotcher, in this interview. (laughs) And he's going to be the subject of a future episode about how to breed grapes, so stay tuned. For now, let's take a trip to Vermont where it seems like wine in a beautiful diversity of innumerable flavors and forms is really blowing up. Enjoy hey andrew doug welcome to the podcast thanks so much for doing this and thanks for you know spending your cocktail hour on a friday night to do this yeah, i really thanks
1: appreciate for having that. us on yeah thank you
0: great and i know it's going to be tough with the two of you i'm just thinking out loud now so feel free to you know if you want to alternate on it maybe you guys have already worked out how you want to respond to things but however you want to do we it we have not done that fine no. we'll figure something okay. out.
1: We've okay. known
2: each other for, for quite some time, so um,
1: yeah, we are related. <laughs> oh, really, how do you know
2: each other? <laughs> so, uh, Doug is my is my uh, dad, and um,
0: yes. And wh- where you? So, yeah, I, I mean, um, what do you guys? Who are you guys? Where do you guys come from? What do you? Okay, why are so, we talking? <laughs> so we,
1: um, originally, uh, we we lived in Michigan, Port Huron, Michigan. That's where I grew up. That was my hometown. And uh, we uh, moved to Vermont in 1997. And uh, I took a job for New England Culinary Institute as a chef instructor. And uh, at any rate, we uh, at that time, we were able to buy this property. And uh, it was in the city of Montpelier, in the town of Montpelier, which is the capital of Vermont. And um, we had we've got about 21 acres just about 22 acres here most of it is not farmable it's like hillside and just mm-hmm. you know like uh yeah it's not it's forest land it's mostly yeah. Land. yeah yeah it's great for hiking yeah 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 and mushroom
0: yeah candy. beautiful so,
1: yeah yeah
0: Ooh, but yeah, at any rate definitely.
1: so we fan. had a uh, in the back of our house if you look at the back back uh windows there was this nice south facing hill it had trees on either side but it was always cleared there was never like trees growing on it we didn't do anything to it but um i decided back in like 2008 we started thinking about i started thinking about what am i going to do when i retire and so um at any rate Mm -hmm. we decided to put in a um vineyard so um Yeah, yeah, and and, you know, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do a vineyard, we everything we did here was organic. Uh, My wife always had a nice big garden; she still does. We've got two hoop houses. One's just like full of peppers. One's full of tomatoes, and then we have a big garden full of everything else. And we put a lot of food away uh, in the fall, and you know, throughout the year. Plus, we have apple trees. We have got raspberries, blueberries. Oh my gosh, blueberries are just coming in too. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So anyway, wow. so we okay. had the
0: uh, so how how old was Andrew uh, when you were thinking okay, in well, 2008 in or when school. you when you that
2: uh, would have been vineyard. in
0: 2008
2: would have been summer between seventh and eighth grade. So I was yeah. like in middle school. I would have been yeah, okay. well, yeah old I enough to help I out. Ended up doing a, quite a, a bit, bit. Of work for.
0: Was that like just old enough to be yeah. exploited, actually, <laughs> from a yeah. lot of free labor? I, I mean, I, like. I was a pretty good
2: advocate for myself and would uh, require an hour. Okay. <laughs> okay I good, really good. Okay.
0: Um,
1: yeah, I hired, nice. I
0: hired
2: Andrew
1: and his so, friend one summer to help um, dig the holes for the, the trellis posts. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And so okay. they, they did that and they took a lot of breaks, but, you know, the.
2: It was also like a 100-degree day, you
1: know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't exactly yeah, easy that for manual yeah.
0: yeah. Does it get that Rarely. hot in Vermont? Rarely. <laughs> you just yeah. picked the right day, huh? Um, well, okay. So, and now, I mean, I'm, I'm fast-forwarding because there's a lot of questions I have for you, but I want to give the sort of full picture. You now have a winery known Correct. as Montpelier Vineyards, yes. right? And you and that winery in addition to your vineyard is certified right, organic right. if i'm right okay so you are you're i don't know anybody else in north of the mason dixon line actually that is a certified okay. winery and vineyard no are there not any, that we know are there any i didn't uh, think okay the, i didn't think so
2: and it, the the issue is that nearly everybody who has tried has been unsuccessful has has after about the third year of organic practices, has um, faced repeated declining yields. Uh,
0: right, and and why um, would you say that? Is?
2: The prevailing theory that that we have is it's um, due to a buildup of fungus
0: just in the area. It's, it's pest now pest are pest they? Pest it, I mean, but why? Pressure. Why is? Sorry, well, the, a lot yeah, of times
1: too, they have the wrong varieties to begin with, and so
0: that, yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. That's if, difficult. I mean, it's
1: and we started like, out.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you made it longer. So, well, what's your secret? This
1: is a sort of the idea was it was an experimental vineyard, and so um, I started at you know I started out with four varieties um, uh, in two thousand nine, and then I put in uh, five varieties in two thousand ten, and um, in 2011, I put two more varieties in, you know, and so every, I was putting more varieties in as they came out and some of them were like brand new, like when the Petite Pearl came out, I think it, it was 2011 that I actually put that in, but, um, it, it would just, you know, I had already taken out several other varieties that just didn't do well. And, um, yeah, so I had it, like, cause originally I had Marquette, I had, Prairie Star, Saint Croix, Adelmina, Edelweiss—all those—and I pulled them out because I just couldn't grow them. And you know, that said, huh. I okay. think today with what I know and some of my practices, my sprays and so on, I probably could grow them better. But they would never do as good. I don't know if it's just my sight, but this Petit pearl is just flawless.
0: Love, yeah. loves it. Okay. So, and when you say come out, I just want to frame this for people who are listening and give the context. So you're literally, as we're speaking, there are universities and, and breeders working on new varieties of grapes. And you were basically keeping an eye on this. And Petite Pearl basically was released after being trialed, like sure. after being bred and developed as this hybrid thing. And then I think University of Minnesota is, is who released it no i'm right. totally wrong you, uh, you, you yeah. can tell me yeah. about it tom yeah. plotcher right who is the name that probably you know anybody who wants to work with hybrids should know yeah. um, <laughs> um uh okay great so i mean i love that process of of trialing i mean that just seems like a great process i love the idea of a process i think when you come in with that experimental mindset you you know it sounds like which it sounds like you did then you don't have the same sort of uh, maybe investment, or you, you, your business plan incorporates this idea that there will be attrition, and then right. you know replacement, and that it there is a idea of ongoing refinement and adaptation to the site and to the needs of you know that well, I don't, environment. At, at that the beginning, where you are, I didn't
1: really even think I was going to build a winery and and go get uh, uh, certified organic. Uh, all really because uh, my yields were well, pretty low. And I really wasn't, um, didn't have that much product. But then I think it was in, I don't know, 2016, I had like this bumper crop and I had so much wine and it was really good. And so I'm just like, what am I going to (laughs) do? And Andrew's like, dad, you just need to do it. You know, you just need to, to get yourself certified and, and, you know, get your business registered and start selling wine. Uh, we had actually, we had a tasting. It was like a blind tasting here at my house. And we invited oh probably maybe There was at least 10 people there. Um, Andrew ran the tasting. Nobody knew what the wine was. And we had uh, two or three Vermont wines that were like, you know, that they were selling locally one or uh, certified organic um, California wine. Uh, there was at least five different wines and uh, so we did the whole tasting and figured the whole thing out. And my Petite Pearl came out as the number one wine. And I couldn't, I was so surprised because I just thought, how could this wine <laughs> be better than all these, you know, all this other stuff that's been out there. And at that point we said, we just have to go with this. So, yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And I i, I, I saw the write-up by Elaine Chuck and Brown uh, that was really complimentary of both, both your Still Red, but also... Um, yeah, the Sparkling Rosé. Sparkling. Method I, mm-hmm. I mean it I mean, it also... I mean, she was reviewing uh, really like from some very well-known producers in your area and those two came out on top points-wise from her evaluation or from whoever the evaluator was for the for that periodical that she was writing for. Um, so, you know, again, props for that. Like, you're, it's not only... Uh, thrives in your site, and maybe that's why it does so well. But it not only thrives, but it's uh, yeah. you're making some good wine. Yeah, we, we were thrilled. So and and really actually, cool. the, How-
1: the wine that she tried was the 2020, which was really good, but was a little acidic. The 2021 is the one that it's young, but it is so nice right now. So
0: no, oh, so she, the one that she thought no. was the best is not even no. as good as yeah, it that, could be is what you're so saying. So
2: that was the year where <laughs> we had like a a hard frost in September and we had to harvest early.
0: Um, yeah, it was mid-September. Yeah. It, it was
2: also, yeah. that was a, a drought year as well, which really...
0: Oh, so it's like it, a double and, whammy. you
2: know, there's there's the question of whether like the drought improved the flavor or not, mm. um, it definitely didn't improve right. yields. We, we were about 50% down from the year before, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah.
0: yeah. It well, there's, I mean, there is that thought that lower yields equals higher quality, which I think has been disproved, but you know, some people hearing that would be like, ah, that's why the quality was I mean, good. <laughs> well, was because I did, your, I did leaf picking
1: that year, everything, all the fruit was exposed. So it had everything going for it, but we just had to harvest mid-September, and so right. it d- it had not, right. uh, You know, it did not have as much uh, high, you know, high bricks numbers, and that was it made it difficult. So,
0: yeah, got it. Well, I mean, maybe you know, I think that's what's look. That's that's winemaking, right? Like that's wine. Every each vintage is a is tells a different story, and and I think that the beautiful thing is like there's probably a person on earth for whom that would be the best expression of the wine, you know, like some people have a stylistic preference mm-hmm. for that leaner, more acid driven style and others like the the more robust, you know, fruity style, you know, lower acid style, um, which, you know, but I think it's that, that variation is something that's really cool, which I may be just jealous of because I live in a place where, you know, it's very little variation. It's very easy to, to, you know, you, you get to pick rather than have to respond to nature you get to decide when to pick as opposed right. to being forced to pick at any point out here mm-hmm. a lot of times um and so yeah like it's less a reflection sometimes of the year and more just a reflection yeah. of you know your your yeah, even decision, in 2021 your we uh, had a
1: whole crew coming over and it was raining it was like 60 degrees and we're like okay yeah. well we have to harvest this is our <laughs> last opportunity and so we did. <laughs> right? I mean, and it didn't stop raining, <laughs> yeah. but still the, the grapes were wet.
0: Right. So how you, you, it's not a huge vineyard, right? Can you talk about what, how big it is and what you have planted? Yeah. besides Yeah. So
1: Petitboro? it's half an acre and I have it spaced out six foot between the vines and 10 foot between the rows. And uh, so right now we have in there, we've got the, um, uh, a tasca. We just put a tasca in and, it's a little bit hard to hard to grow, but it's a nice white and it's just super vigorous. Um, we've got let's okay. see, the Cébreau Voix, which is a red grape. It doesn't make the best wine, but it makes a really nice mead. Uh, we have uh, the Frontenac. Okay. We have all three Frontenac. There's Frontenac, uh, just for regular Frontenac, is the red, and uh, I use that for my right. um, uh, my sparkling rosé. And then we have our okay. uh, Louis. Louis Swinson, which is another great grape, takes forever to grow, to get started, but it is just a great tasting grape. <laughs> um, and then, uh, the, like I said, also the other two varieties of Frontenac would be the Frontenac Blanc, which super lots of high sugar, and it's just, it also goes into my sparkling wine, and the... Um, uh, the okay. front neck green, which I put that into my sparkling rosé. So, and then the peti- the petite pearl. And that's got my it. that's my big one. It's my petite pearl. I have more of that than anything else planted. But um, we are starting another vineyard and on Andrew's property. Andrew has a a, a farm as well, and we started by planting okay. the uh, the Louis Louis
2: because it takes the longest.
0: So. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, got it. So, you might as well. Yeah, get it going and, and right
2: <laughs> we have three um, uh prairie stars right down at the oh
1: that's actually just two yeah it's <laughs> just the, two prairie star on the windmill so yeah
0: oh those are those are well, just individual i had, i had removed them what from the vineyard
1: in? and i said well i'll just plant them over here i was trying to give them away but you know so
2: i planted them next to my windmill
0: they weren't doing well Yeah,
2: they, they just took an awful long time to start really producing um and they we're not okay. doing as well as other
0: things. So, and now? Oh,
2: they're doing great, actually. <laughs> they're, they're, they're wonderful, great. They're really
0: oh,
1: tasty. Was it, I, is it, I'd, I'd like to put is, more of that back in now. Oh, but. nice.
0: Is it, uh, I mean, did they just need to be neglected a little bit? Uh, you know, or? May, maybe <laughs> well, so. They're, they're in a
1: terrible spot. They're just patient. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, that's great. I, I, I wonder, I just want to calibrate um everybody's listeners because i I, you know when we talked a little bit you mentioned something like low acid and then i kind of went and looked you know about petite pearl and i went online i was like to most people in california that would be (laughs) considered high acid and i just think like you you know there's I, i began i'm i'm wondering if there's a little bit of a different uh calibration to our measurements and what we think is low and high yeah. because of what you guys get used to and what we get used to. But can you talk specific numbers about where some of these things come in, like petite pearl? Do you know like 21, 22, um, the, the, uh-huh. the,
1: um, pH now I just, I just bought a pH meter. I never had one because I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter because I can't do anything about it anyway. Oh. So uh, I would never test right, anything. Right. But I did buy a pH meter and it came out at, th- I believe believe it's 3.4 uh, pH.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that was finished in the yeah. wine, the finished wine. Okay. Yeah. See, that would be on the lower side, yeah. I would say for, you know, a, a Cal- I mean like a California red, I would, I think the range would probably be, you know, three, six to three, mm-hmm. nine kind of yeah. area. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say that's, it's a significantly yeah. lower thing, but but that, but in relative to some of the other hybrids, that's that's a good yeah. that's a good acid yeah. level. That's a good yeah. lower that's lower than I mean, it's a higher pH so lower the, acid level. The like um, defining
2: characteristic of of like the different hybrid grapes that are like coming in here, um, the primary one that gives like very very good cold hardiness is vitis um, riparia, which is right. if you've ever had wild vitis right. riparia, it. It will burn your tongue with acid. No, seriously. Like, I've known people <laughs> have, like, okay. eaten yeah. a handful of those grapes and been like, I couldn't eat anything for besides, like, soup for a couple days because my tongue was just, like, burnt <laughs> off.
0: So it's like eating hydrochloric yeah, acid is. or something, <laughs> like drinking, taking a shot of hydrochloric. Well, okay. So, I, I I have not, but I, I did interview somebody who's growing it uh, growing a whole vineyard of riparia wild riparia that they've, you know, just propagated into a vineyard, but they pulled from like a couple feet away along a riverbank and they're doing it in North Dakota and his secret is he lets the first heavy frost hit yeah. the grapes they're before also, harvesting. Yeah. And they're that, also known as frost okay. grapes. You have yeah, heard of this. Where
2: they um, they're edible after a hard frost because the yeah.
0: Right. So, and this is probably a, an adaptation. Like this is probably something that the grapes have, uh, evolved to do. Yeah, over I, time, I, I'd I imagine. imagine
2: that it's something where it um, avoids birds eating them for quite some time, and then when there's scarce food after the first hard frost, they become a very, uh, very much so like a like high quality only, forage. Yeah.
0: Um, the, right. The last juicy thing around um interesting yeah uh well so how how what what are the treatments like what do you have to think about with the climate that you have there in vermont like, what, so tell, typically you know, tell a california so what, boy like yeah, yeah. so what blow my mind
1: we have we've been doing is if we've had we have a lot of um um uh, if there's the year before if there's we've had a lot of uh, rot and a lot of you know black rot or just a lot of pressure. We um we do a dormant spray of lime sulfur. So usually I do that in I don't know, March, April. And uh, so that takes care of any pretty much anything that's gonna, you know, uh that would stay on the vines and, and, and it'd be a problem for the next year. Anyway, and then as far as the sprays that I use, I'm I'm just using um stylet oil. And, uh, Mm tanks, take mixing that with, um, some of the, oh shoot. What's the name of that? Um, lifeguard. So, and, and, and I've, I've had a lot of success so far. I used to, when I first started, I mean, I sprayed everything that was available organically. Uh, I used to do Bordeaux mix, you know, like three times Bordeaux mix, but I get a lot of burn on my leaves and, uh, you know, it just didn't work. I don't use sulfur because some of the, the vines, um, they just, you know, they can't take the sulfur. So I don't use that after we have any green, you know, any leaves. Mm. But uh, that's all I've been doing.
0: Oh, wow. And then
1: okay. bugs, I just pick the bugs off. Uh, you know, a lot of people put around, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing on, but I haven't had to do that. I just figure it sort of yeah. opens up the canopy and gets more sun on the uh, grapes. So... You know, and I do pick a lot of them off, but but usually.
0: And when you say bugs, are you Japanese talking about beetles? The, the yeah, beetles, the Japanese yeah. beetles. Yeah, because they'll de- defoliate, right? They're sort of yeah. munching on the. But leaves. they're
1: not. Once you have, once the vines are established, it's really not that much of an issue. So.
0: Got it. So it's actually potentially helping you in a way by it's like doing yeah. the leaf thing you know, for you. You know, in, in, they in a,
1: they tend to choose,
2: you know, leaves that don't. The newest, best leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Tasty oh. <laughs> <Yeah. It's> not.
0: <laughs> they're like the um, novice uh, vineyard worker. <laughs> still needs to be trained for right. of leaf. Um, if if yeah. only you could train them. <laughs> well, so black rot, I mean, yeah. Is that just a preventative thing when it comes to yeah, organic treatment?
2: it's there. You're basically relegated to. Uh, yeah. I mean... The, Off what's existing, and so Um, and it's sort of a fact of life up here that you're going to get black rot on the grapes at some point in the season, regardless of.
0: Is there, are there any varieties that are more resistant or completely resistant to it? Well, like I said, Petite Pearl.
1: I mean, you get maybe a little bit of black rot, but not much. It doesn't do much damage. The um, the Louis Swinson and the the uh, the Adelmina. No, not Adelmina, the Sebauvoir. Those three the, 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 the Sebauvoir is like bulletproof. Oh. I mean, you wouldn't have to do anything to that. Um yeah. But wow. then it doesn't it's make, it doesn't
2: make great wine. wine. <laughs> so.
0: it it. Doesn't Say make, that again?
2: Uh, Go ahead, Andrew. It doesn't make great wine. It um there's a history of tasting sort of like bacon. Uh,
0: oh, uh, that's interesting. If, if you like let it
2: ripen a <laughs> little bit too far past like 1920 bricks it'll it gets uh what do they They call it to the bacon taint that is uh uh characteristic to wow Sacrois. yeah yeah huh.
0: <laughs> bacon taint that is a new one for okay. me i love um, that some some
2: tannin <laughs> compound that the uh, late in ripening they produce
0: that's amazing all right well let's talk a, a, a bit of more in detail about Petite Pearl. What are what are some of the characteristics? Well, I mean, it sounds there sounds like a lot of good stuff. I think this is. I mean, from what you've said, I'm really excited about it as a potential yeah, thing to I, plant I just, around. Uh, I have more had widening. so much
1: success with it, and uh, you know, like I was saying, the side by side tastings it just always comes out on top. I've been doing some um, some wine tastings uh, at some of my uh, purveyors, and they all people are just buying it. You know, they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. But it is low in acid. Uh, another good thing about the petite pearl is it buds out late, so you miss the spring frost. Um, it's just easy to grow. It's really, uh, it, it it just fills in real quick. It it uh, I mean, you can just take a stick and just you know, but just stick it in the ground and it'll just grow. You it, it's so easy. I mean, that's true oh. with most of them anyway. But this one. Um, it's really easy to to grow. And uh, it, besides the fact is it, that the, the, is the it very um, vigorous Japanese beetles really like it best, it's great. <laughs> so, uh-huh. the, oh,
0: yeah. oh, it is their yeah. favorite? Yes. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> it's also
2: very vigorous. So it sort of like Maybe pulls that... the Japanese beetles away from some of the other plants. You know, if you have like a highly, highly vigorous, so I have, I have like a, Two thousand raspberry plants, and I have two varieties. One of them more vigorous than the other, and all of the bugs go for that one, and it's great. Yeah. Like, huh. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, do you think that's mainly why they're attracted to it? Something about um, that extra vigor. I'm, there's more. I'm around. not sure.
2: I think it's uh, uh, yeah, probably like, yeah. like something to do with like the particular compounds that the leaves produce. I would imagine.
0: Do you do you like? The, I, I don't know oh, if there's sorry, been
2: any studies done on it or anything, but um, there.
0: Yeah. Do you know if those or how, do you do you favor those berries? No, the, the, other the other ones other are as better. Berries? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that that's there's. True is my theory. I was going to say we should see which grapes the beetles eat, and that's maybe the better <laughs> grapes. <laughs> maybe they know the better tasting grapes. Yeah. Um, well, that, I mean that is
1: the case. But uh, we we well, talked about that. Uh, several because they won't even land on that and if they do it's sort of like oh what's
0: with that <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay yeah. well maybe they do have something maybe they do know then that's that's and, fun um well you guys are making more uh, I, about, I just ahead, wanted Andrew. to Sorry.
2: sort of rep uh petite, the actual wine itself we've talked about like the plant you know um, oh yeah the grape but it's yeah, yeah the darkest wine i've ever seen in my life it's um it will stain wow. your glasses. Um, just okay it, when it is like crystal clear, you know, like a crystal clear, perfectly. Not not any hint of opaqueness. You cannot see through a glass of this stuff. It's so dark.
0: Right. It's, it's not cloudy. Too, it's not like it's sedimentary. Black. It's just yeah. It's so color. So, um, wow. It's
2: extremely fruity. Uh, it's extremely drinkable. You know, for like so. So the thing about hybrid wines and Vermont wines in Vermont is they, they've gotten the reputation for not being good over the past 30, yeah. 40 years. So it's really,
0: it's not just for Vermont. <laughs> don't, don't feel bad. Don't take it personally. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and it, it uh, it's good. That's the thing, you know, it, it makes wine that yeah, is it actually as, is as what we were at the time novices that is very easy to make, hard to mess up and tastes very good. Mm-hmm.
0: That's fantastic. And um, you are making some other really interesting things as well. It sounds like somebody in the family uh, likes bees. Does anybody? I, want-
2: I love bees. I just, um, we, do, we do mead, Don't. but uh, the, 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 the big, so we mostly, so Vermont hybrid grapes are acidic, right? There are like two things that really help with acidity, sweetness and sparkling, right? If you have something that's a little acidic, you give it a sparkle, it's going to be great. If you have something that's a little acidic, you make a dessert wine, it's going to be, it's going to, those are going to balance each other out. Um, And I started making wine probably when I was, Nineteen, um, just seventeen, uh, Andrew. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> too young, <laughs> too young, and yeah, the perfect day. And one of the first things I made was my mother had gotten a bunch of elderberries from a friend, and I had heard about elderberry mead, and I had some honey from another friend, and I made a uh, few gallons of elderberry mead. Um, and several, several, several years later, I think it was 2017, we had another bumper crop. Um, mm-hmm. and I had asked if I could use the sabrevois to make, um, make some mead with it, see how it turns out. If it turns out great, we'll sell it. If it doesn't, we'll drink it. Um, turned out great. And we decided to just sort of roll with it. Um. And, and so, so about like, I, I do love bees. I absolutely wonderful, wonderful creatures, but uh, I, I honestly don't know how the people who are making honey in the state of Vermont make money. The prices are so low uh, at bulk. That it's like three wow. 75 a pound.
0: Wow. wow. Don't, don't tell anybody. Uh Um <laughs> And I, I,
2: I would like have no – it just doesn't – from my point of view, it doesn't make sense to um, – so Vermont, I think, is the biggest honey producer in New England already. Um, something wow. like half huh. of all honey in New – I think Maine is second. They make a lot of blueberry honey. Um, and mm, it, I,
0: yeah. from my
2: point of view, it didn't make sense to like try to – bootstrap an existing industry that is already selling it at like in some cases what must be a loss um and i i'm absolutely willing to pay more uh and i would
0: right right no i get you yeah it's you're you're just speaking from the shock that you can still buy (laughs) it it's like prices to to me at this
2: (laughs) price like there's no reason (laughs) for me to to try to keep Keep hives
0: hives and deal with all of that yeah okay great so you you're getting some good local we're
1: trying to do is what we do i should say is um, all the grapes that we use in our wine we grow ourselves i cannot um i can't buy organic grapes in from vermont i do have an actually do have a friend that has a a vineyard and she grows organic grapes but she's not certified and Uh, yeah, we take her right. grapes and we we use them for mead, because we can't certify the mead organic anyway, because the honey we buy
2: is not certified organic. Because it's impossible to do in the northeast, right. because you have to certify five miles around every single hive, and there nobody in right. other than the state owns a contiguous tract that large. So,
1: yeah, but right. any fruit, I mean, we forage right. a lot of fruit. Ourselves, you know, apples and things and pears, um, but anything anything we use in the the mead or in the different wines we make, we it's from Vermont. You know, that's just it has to be, and um, yeah, just because we right. want to keep keep it Vermont made, a hundred percent. So. Right. And uh, so that's yeah. sort of been our philosophy going forward with that. And, mm-hmm. and then with, uh, like Andrew said, he planted two thousand raspberry plants on his property. So that's the start of that raspberry mead that we're going to be making. And uh, then also on his property, he's got choke cherries. Oh my god, choke cherries make wonderful mead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also known no, as aronia. Is no that choke right? Berries. That's different. There's so a chokeberries is okay. a
2: virginiana it is a it is a okay. cherry species um, also known as bitterberry ah. it grows as a tree rather than a bush um, it blooms a little bit before aronia yeah. and it produces a little bit before aronia Yeah we have we done have- an aronia mead. it's it's a little rough um, yeah. we still have some bottles in the cellar Okay it's, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's usually yeah. a good indication. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and also you're doing. I mean, I I just like the idea of you know not not having to be monolithic. Like incorporating. I think you know if you incorporate di- diversity in the beverage, that means you're supporting biodiversity in the world. And uh, you know, so these things that you guys are doing of these cross pollinations. use a bad bee pun. Um, is very cool i think and very like forward thinking even though it's probably just super traditional <laughs> you know where people have, are just looking around them and using what's what's local and what's available to, mm-hmm. to turn into these beverages but i was really excited to see this um the piment. Yes, am i yes. pronouncing that right mm-hmm. Piment. um can you talk about what yeah. that is and, and so how you're making that
2: it's grapes and honey it's probably the most traditional grape beverage that isn't straight up wine, um, with with a history dating back to like the early Greeks, um, where, you know, like it is a relationship with like the, the process of capitalization, right. Which is, uh, the idea of adding sugar to wine in order to improve certain qualities about it, improve the, uh, you give it a fuller body, make a stronger wine or sweeten it, um, instead of like the, um, you know, concentrating the grape must through boiling. That's another thing that you can do or, um, through freezing as in an ice wine. Um, but right. it, all it is, is you're using like the most available sugar source to, um, Europeans in the, uh, prehistory days. And you're adding it to the, uh, one thing that, uh, that one of the two things that they made alcohol out of in in those days, which would have been grains or grapes, um, and it right. it's, it's great. It's probably the best thing that we make. It yeah.
1: uh, it is a it's a wonderful dessert oh, wine, <laughs> and it's uh, uh we brought some to a dinner party, and they were serving chocolate cake, I think, for dessert. And, uh, we had, we all had some of the, the pie mint and it was like, oh my gosh, this goes so well. It was just a perfect way to end the, the, the evening. But, uh, yeah.
0: What grape are you using yeah. in that? Or what grape? are we using? Um, what grapes? It
2: varies. Uh, so, so we talked about okay. how we have a friend down in, um, where does she live? Uh, middle what? Hour of Vermont, central Vermont, um, Half our way, yeah, and she maintains a little um, vineyard that she, you know, she used, we provide her with the the sprays, give her the schedule. If she asks us to come help out with something, we help out with it. Um, it Got it. And
0: sort of like uh, passively managing. She wants the vineyard to do it. Her.
2: So yeah. she can do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, her and her husband. And they have, yeah. they have, yeah. I think they have um, Marquette. They have Frontenac. I don't know if they have St. Croix, maybe St. Croix too. I think They have St. Croix. Yeah. Uh,
2: they have like, okay. and then they have a handful of white grapes as yeah. well. And this year we, t- we took one of the red varietals and made a single varietal, like private stock thing for them. We
1: made a, mar- I made a Marquette for her.
2: Yeah, nice. and mm-hmm. nice. the rest yeah. of it—white, red, etc.—went into the pyramid. Um, yeah, so it-
0: got it. Now, so it, it, the impression is sweet. Like it, I see. It's in a uh, three seventy-five milliliter bottle rather than the seven fifty. So it's like this is meant to be a dessert yep. wine. It's sweet. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's it, sometimes yeah. we okay. put <laughs> bar tops on things to indicate that they're really sweet. <laughs> but that I would okay. say that is. Very good as is at cellar temperature. It's not like, um, it is not overly sweet. It's not something that I'd say like, oh, you should probably like put this over ice or maybe you want to add some seltzer with it um, because it's, you know, almost like candy. Like some of these things are.
0: Right, um, syrupy, yeah. It's not. It's not that. It's, got it's, a, it's like a, I gotcha. good you Is it as light as like a vouvray or something like that? Or is it? not that light somewhere between yeah, gray right. and, and yeah port. it's like
1: <laughs> yeah i'd be closer to port i think but
2: yeah i mean okay the, right. the very I interesting see. thing that happens with all of the the piments is they smell like port They're, aromatically they within nine months they get that very characteristic raisiny grapey like aged port smell that aroma like
0: and right maybe Go ahead. Well, if you don't mind me jumping in, I have a this brings up a, a question that like I I was sort of surprised to learn a little bit about your winemaking when Doug and I were talking. Could you can you talk about that? What are you using? What are you not using? Is there I mean, does it, it depend on, on the, wine the wine and So,
2: you know, um, we find okay. that on a very good year, we can make wild fermented grape wines. Yeah. Yeah, have them be excellent
1: yeah i'm 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 still nervous Uh about that to an extent yet this past year we did make a barrel full of of the uh just naturally wild fermented in a chemo awesome and uh and this this year if the conditions are right and the we get the bricks numbers i'm just going to go totally wild ferment because it just is so nice and uh there's no reason to put yeast into it when it's. It's that good.
2: But, but um, uh, on a bad yeah, year, we don't... get ethyl acetate. Get...
0: Yeah, right. Because it doesn't kick off fast enough. And then yeah, the other even
2: with a de cuvee um, on a bad year, we'll get significant amounts of huh. ethyl acetate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. I'm, I'm going to write a article about how to prevent VA very soon. Actually. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> uh, now, is that because you guys aren't using it sulfur at
2: all? Plausibly, possibly. Um,
0: no. Do you use bit. sulfur at all? Any sulfites? You used made used by them not a like bit
2: once in a mead that just refused to stop fermenting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that, but that was more like, <laughs> "Please stop," rather than like you were trying to do anything to to protect yeah. protect it from yeah, uh, so, so like there's this. Like that, um,
2: right? um, Sort of thought that, like, <laughs> we aren't using we aren't using inoculated, like, lab-grown yeasts in the way they are meant to be used, which is you start with a sterile substrate and you add that, right. and that's what grows. Um, we point the fermentation in the direction of having that a, a strong enough initial dosage of yeast that we avoid that right. volatile acidity
0: right yeah that makes a lot of sense i i, I mean I, yeah we do have and
2: with the meads that all of the the ones that use poems use pears or apples are wild because we don't uh-huh. have that issue with apples
0: with the with the palm fruit wow okay um and that means that I don't know if you're doing this with your apples, but with your, your grape wines, you can say organic right. wine on the label. If yeah, so then,
1: if so like we that. have...
0: Because yeah, you have the... Vineyard certified, the winery certified, and zero sulfites. Exactly, and I mean it's
1: still it's sort of difficult with the TTB. You have to, you know, send them all sorts of information and get tests done and all this. Yes, but at <laughs> any rate, right. um, and so our Petite Pearl, both the Petite Pearl and the wild fermented Petite Pearl are certified organic, and then we have the uh, uh, Method Champenois Rosé and the Method Champenois White that are both also no sulfites and then certified organic. So, and the, the, the method chimpanwa is not available now. I mean, I have some older stuff that, you know, I'm pri- I have it on my, um, uh, on my store. Um, but, um, the stuff from tooth, the, the wine, the method chimpanwa from 2008, in 21 is still aging. So I'm just trying to age it on the lees as long yeah. as I can. I'd like, i like a year or two, but we'll see. So,
0: yeah. Now, well, I have a couple questions about that. Do you, how do you get the refermentation in bottle to happen? What do you, yeah. Oh, it's your so, tarage.
1: um, I use organic sugar. So, yeah. Okay. And, Got uh, it. And then no, just organic sugar ahead, and then a different, a type of yeast. And I do use the yeast in that, that, um, method champagne Um, it's more of a traditional method. Okay. Um, you know, I think I could do the initial fermentation, you know, wild ferment. Um, but I, I haven't done that. I've had a lot of success with this wine and, uh, I don't have a lot of it. We're talking, you know, five cases of each. I mean, it's just not a big deal. And uh, so,
0: right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm I'm very familiar. I just made nineteen bottles oh, yeah. of, of method uh-huh. from our front yard <laughs> from what we call <laughs> Crenshaw Crew. Um, <laughs> so, are you? Uh, are are you aging it? On? Why do you want it to spend that much time? Uh, aging and it, I'm, I'm guessing yep. it's aging yep. on leaves. Yep. you haven't disgorged it so and well, what, what does that Well you know do for
1: the, the you? It, it just um it mellows it and improves it, it you know the age on the lees is is going to give you a better quality wine we found and that's more of the sort of the traditional method once again too which w- was the right. idea when i started doing this yeah. i was like okay i want you know I'm, i really love champagne and I, i'm going to do it the champagne method that was sort of the idea i couldn't call it champagne obviously um but i call it so i right. just called it method champenois, and uh but i mean you started right. using the same method
2: Cool. <laughs> that that, right. that was acceptable that the eu that
0: right i know it's funny right yeah and the other
2: thing it it, the, it can well, add like a nuttiness if you, if you do it too long it can add this like um bready nasty very it, it's because the yeast autolyzes itself it eats itself because it's a such a low nutrient um uh, situation yes Release these uh the, yeah sort of savory compounds into, into the wine, which is for very high-end wine, champagnes, That that's a flavor that um, it can, can do- dominate in some cases.
1: Yep. Yeah. So we also do a co-ferment yeah. where, uh, so we use, we take um, all the pumice from the method champagnois. So the, after we press the grapes, we take that pumice and then ferment apple cider on that so that we do not age as long. We don't age it on the leaves. I mean, it's maybe a month or two, you know, aging on the leaves, but um, that's very popular. We've had fun with that because we can, you know, offer that at, at a lower price point um, uh, because I buy the cider from a, a, a wonderful, uh, it's called windfall orchards. And then Brad out there at windfall orchards has a like hundred different types of trees, just amazing variety. Uh, uh, and he mm. uh, makes a wonderful blend of cider that we use for that um, that co ferment. So that's great. And then uh, the rest of the apple, like yeah. the um, we also do the apple mead and the apple pear. And uh, for that, we um, harvest apples from the, our property here uh, in Montpelier, and then also at Andrew's property in Washington, Vermont.
2: I uh, last year we had an enormous crop around the property of the wild apples. And I was like doing the math on if, if I were to just go, go at this 40 hours a week for a month, how much, how many apples would I get? Um, and it ended up being something like 6,000 gallons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I would, I would like, a 6, finish cider gallons of cider for one month.
0: Yeah. You guys wouldn't need, yeah, you you'd need distribution, yeah, I correct. think, at that yeah. point. <laughs> I, obviously, I
2: did not do that, but um, it, it it was just it, it, it
0: was now. Really so, is that why? Okay, so I see this thing where it says uh, a pear sizer. So you've got pears and apples. Yeah, we have uh, um, a is that friend correct?
2: who has a fruit so, tree. Like they're feral apple tre- uh, pear trees, really. and They're just like haven't been taken care of. So I sort of take it upon myself to go up there and got see it. how they're doing and poke them if they prune them if they need pruning and whatever else um yeah
0: okay nice i I, did you notice anything about making working with pears that was unique uh different Um, from the apples
2: they go from not pressable to extremely pressable uh very very quickly
0: (laughs) (laughs) very very short uh, window at sweating—you have to keep like daily tabs. Yes, on um, with hairs.
2: apples, you know they can like. Got so we have to um, with some of the wild apples, we have to like blet them. You, are you familiar with that term? Bletting. I'm. E l t t
0: i n No, bletting. No, please tell me. So
2: this is actually relates back to our earlier conversation about the frost grapes. So some apples don't ripen until they've frozen. So. Got it. You, you and that's leave them, out, you know, the garage or outside, covered up with a tarp, um, and let them freeze three, four, or five, six times. Uh, or or you, they're just like it. unpressible. They're just like little tiny green rocks that you can't can't really do anything with. Um, so pears, yeah. on the other hand, I, I don't think they have that problem. But some yeah. wild pebbles, they um, really prior to that, they're the most acidic little balls of nothing good <laughs> just, I, I mean i'm gotcha. sure you can use them i'm sure gotcha. you can use them but it's just you, your juice yields is going to be a quarter a half of what you could if you like let them go through that and that process and Got it's it. like a traditional um Got traditional process for dealing with wild apples or like even traditional cider apples some of them are required to be bled prior to pressing <laughs> and yeah, I mean, but... as far as like the fermentation process goes with the pears, I don't think there's, it didn't seem much different than the apples. Um, Not really. Okay. And I think okay. it. Okay. We, if there is something different that occurs that you're familiar with, it may have been confounded by the fact that we add, you know, four to five pounds per gallon yeah, of Right. Honey. Yeah.
0: Of honey. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right, um, I I love the use of honey. So, can, and since we've talked about piment, can you talk to, about melamel? I see you have this wild oh, cherry okay. melomel as well.
2: The terminology of mead is the best mashup of anachronistic uh, <laughs> Greek, Latin, and like non-language origins, right? So, so people will like <laughs> right. the term. Piment is traditional. Um, the term melamel might be, or it may have been invented in the seventies. Um, gotcha. All it means is mead with fruit, <laughs> um, okay. and, and there are like all sorts of like interesting <laughs> ones that people have come up with, like thalithomel which is like a, a a modern name for a traditional mead made with seawater from Greece. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the name is just like somebody in the U S was like, okay, well we're calling a Mal and the C in Greek right. is Thalissima. So slap them together. And well, that's what we're calling it. All, all sorts of things. Um, it, gotcha. Exactly. It, it's like such an, such a, uh, the, the, the the, the nomenclature is, is very well established, but the, the origins of it are, are not, not well backed by, by history. Um, so for, for all yeah. of these things, or for the majority of these things, we're making like uh, no water meads. Uh, some, some people call them like super fruit meads, where we're taking just the fruit or the juice, um, adding honey, sometimes adding yeast. If, if, uh, the, depending on the the particular processes, we'll like the ciders, the the apple based things. We don't really need to add yeast. We do add yeast nutrient, which is basically just yeast hulls, um, the so boiled yeast, uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that Got it. because you're Got adding it. so much extra sugar that you need to add nitrogen. That the fruit, if you were doing just a one hundred percent fruit product. You wouldn't have that situation. Right. Um, that particular one, right. we got some cherries from Champlain Orchards, mm-hmm. Montmorency yep. cherries. Yep, and went with that. And at the same time, we were trialing the um, the choke cherries for a a smaller batch of mead to see if they'd turn out all right, um, because we hadn't worked with them before, and we didn't mind, you know, go all out this year. We will be going all out on the uh, the choke cherries. Um, turns out the choke cherries smelled more like cherry than the Montmorencies, So we blended them together, back sweetened a little bit with honey, waited until the uh, yeast petered out, which is typically the one that I use, typically around 14%, um, and bottled it up. I mean, the... <sighs> it's quite interesting. It it's like an Amaro almost. Okay. I um yeah, it, it's oh, like wow. that one I definitely recommend with some seltzer, not necessarily for like the bitterness, no for the sweetness, but for how how uh bitter it is. It's like it it needs gotcha. needs to be cut down a little yeah, bit. It's... Yeah.
0: Okay. Now um well, let me ask you once more about this twenty twenty one wild oh, yeah. mentioned petite <laughs> pearl. So this is the one that you're you're kind of excited about so in other words, you guys really didn't do, no. add anything to this this is grapes and grapes that's it. in the oh. bottle
1: we may i I believe and... I put a little bit of yeast nutrient in it okay but that would be the only okay. thing we put in it Just... um, and it was you know organic so tomato gotcha. and uh but that was it
2: and
0: right now did they make you oh, yes yeah. that I, I know some organic Okay, so this, you no, have to yeah. list ingredients on the bottle because
2: for the TTB, yeah.
0: we have to on the
2: list ingredients.
1: Not for the TTB; it's for the organic certification. The TTB really doesn't care. Uh, only the meads. The meads we have to give them formulas oh, yeah, and
2: all that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I go through that. I mean, so I I work with organic vineyards but not i don't have an organic certified winery so the only way i can say anything is by doing an ingredients list i mean which we want to give anyway just for transparency sake just be like here's what we do you know we're not trying to hide anything you know very Mm -hmm. little things are added um and 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 but it's also an opportunity to say organic grapes is one of the ingredients Do you you use any Um, yeast nutrient at all I haven't yet. No, I, so far been very fortunate not to have a uh, sort of stuck fermentation or, or really any off reductive yeah. aromas develop. Um, all, everything's been a wild ferment. No, no, uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, no nutrients. Um, having said that, and, and that's what I was getting at with the, the sparklers, um, You know, we did use yeast and sugar, uh, similar to you for our tirage. We, you know, we just wanted to guarantee, I mean, we're also like, because we made such a small amount, I think that's where you really expose yourself. I think if you guys get to the point where you're, you're working with a ton or more of, of a single grape, you, you might not have as much issue with the wild ferment or. Or the VA that development. And you might, I mean, it's still a possibility depending Mm -hmm. on a lot of other factors, but it seems like, you know, you just have less oxygen exposure the greater the volume. And I think that's a big part of me working in a small volume is I, you know, I just wanted the yeast so that I didn't have that issue. Actually, I tried without yeast and it started, I started smelling that little acetate and I was like, I don't want that Mm -hmm. to happen. So I added some yeast um, and sugar. And then, so, we had a nice fermenting bottle, you know, and we tested it, you know, just a couple of weeks after tirage and, like, you know, just to make sure everything was going well. Yeah, beautiful, nice, you know, nice creamy yep. bubbles already, yes. you know, beautiful color. And then the smell, though, had all of that reductive stuff that gets trapped in the bottle and doesn't blow off because you're doing an in bottle fermentation. And I was like, oh no, like, this is horrible. Oh no, no, no. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it's like, you know, if I notice it, it's just less, it's less than huh. pleasant. You know, it's, that's all it's like, it's like, oh, you want fruity or, or, you know, more traditional smells for, a sure. for your sparkling wine. So we didn't open anymore, any And that's when I learned that that's what the yeast, you know, the aging on yeast at least does. Like it just reabsorbs all that, you know, all those reductive aromas. Um, and, and then when you disgorge, you have this beautiful smelling classically smelling champagne style, sparkling wine. And yeah, so I, that was a big lesson for me. It was just like, I was stressing and then I was like, oh, well let the, let, let the process yeah, do yeah, what it's had, supposed to do. I made and a separate batch
1: of uh, champagne because uh, my son Andrew is getting married in a couple weeks and my other son Christopher, he's getting married in a, a couple months. And so I took all of the um, uh, Swinson White and all of the Louis Swinson and I, I just mixed those and made a champagne and it was just, it was smelled. Something was off. And all just,
2: yeah. It wasn't
1: great, but I said, whatever, you know, I've got all this wine and I, I'm going to need it. I don't need it, but I was hoping to use it for these weddings. Anyway, I went a I went ahead and bottled, you know, bottled it and aged it and, and so on. And we tasted it, I don't know, maybe a month ago now. And we're like, it's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That is the nice thing. There's, I, th- I think there's the, and there's a couple different kinds of reduction. Like when you're in a barrel that you've just never racked, you can get those, you know, just the absence of oxygen aromas that are more like flinty match sticky yeah. kind of things that aren't, You know, you don't have the fruit, like they sort of conceal the fruity and floral and perfuming notes that you're expecting, but they aren't, yeah, the sewage smell. Um, And then there's the sewage smell, which I think you, you know, like a lot of times you have to give it uh, air at that point just to let that blow off. Or if it's in, you know, like a sparkling wine, you have to let those yeast do the trick. Actually, I think what I did
1: before I actually bottled it, I had it, I I, um, racked it off. And then I had it in a, a container that I was going to mix it in, you know, mix it up with. And I, I believe I uh, uh, bubbled nitrogen through it for an hour or two beforehand. There and you then go. I bottled yep. it. So that may have helped too to get rid of some of those aromas.
2: Yeah. So we've there you that. go. That makes a lot of sense. That's that, a good trick. Low levels of ethyl acetate as well, of just like, let's uh, throw, throw some nitrogen through it, see, see if it brings Below, um, really low uh perceptual perc- yeah low the the, the perception right threshold. yeah
0: the level yeah. of the threshold of perception yeah yeah no it, it, it worked
2: it, i think it's that plus aging plus you know the all, all sorts of things but it, it it it'll reduce the amount of um ethyl acetate for sure it'll just pull that it's uh, okay
0: yeah i thought you were gonna say you like racked it i'm like well that would probably not be- I, I would have, I mean, my thought would be no, Like that would be bad, but yeah, bubbling nitrogen. So you're not exposing it to right. oxygen, but you are giving it air. Like yeah, you're, you're you can aerating can probably
2: it. probably bubble but. carbon dioxide through it too. It's just, we use in the, um, in the winery when we're topping, like making sure we're reducing oxygen exposure, which is really important when you're not using any sulfites. So you want to like writing this fine line, yeah, like you don't want too little or else you'll get, um, those reductive like flinty aromas you were talking about, but you, if you get right. too much, you'll start getting cardboard, which, which is also not great. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the reductive, I mean, the good thing about those, the sort of flinty matchstick ones is they do those, you know, just as there's, it's inescapable that the wine is going to micro oxygenate over time, whether it's in barrel or in bottle you know, those will ultimately go away. It just gives that wine a little more ageability in a, in a nice way, I think, sometimes. So, so it yeah. just kind of depends on what you're going for. Like, if you want it to be fresh and ready to go, yeah, maybe rack it real quick and it'll be it'll be ready to go. Or maybe just bottling will give it enough air at that point, you know? Like, it's sort of like almost, I almost think of it as a protective layer of of uh, mm-hmm. reduction at that point. I mean, point. like a um, tea
1: Pearl, we know. do barrel age that. Um, but then when we go to bottle it, we do put a little argon in the bottle right before we cork it just to, uh-huh. you know, just to, yeah, so there's no right. oxygen in the bottle. So yeah. I'm always tr- really trying to protect the yeah. wine from oxygen at okay. all costs.
2: I mean, that, that's why we yes. don't make still yeah.
0: whites.
2: <laughs> yeah. Because.
0: Ah, uh, why? Cause you yes. end up with browns <laughs> Because they,
2: they don't yeah. <laughs> have the, um, the tannin to protect them from the oxygen.
0: To Right. Yeah. Interesting. I, so is there a way to, I mean, this is a really good discussion. I know we're getting kind of technical, but I, I've heard, I haven't, I haven't explored a zero sulfur white, um, but I've, I've heard that you can sort of oxidize the juice and then ferment it and all the brown sort of falls out and then it's <laughs> stable at that
2: point. I've,
0: uh, anyway, well, I, I know Maybe that, we'll have to look into um, it. I guess we're all speculating. the State
2: Vineyard in Vermont. They are on their second year of getting their organic certification. Um, they make a still white; it's pretty good. I'm not a hundred percent sure how they make it. Um, I'm sure it's it's possible. Okay. Um, and, and like the two routes have yeah. to be either you're using like a uh, oxygen protective cap instead of a cork. Um, and you're being Mm -hmm. very, very careful throughout the process to protect from oxygenation, or something like you're describing. Um, I think it's- They don't, Andrew, they don't use any sulfites at all? No, they do not. Not that I, when I visited them, um, that was the impression that I got. Um, Their goal is to be fully organic certified, similar to us. Nice. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, you could be fully organic certified and just say made with organic grapes, which would allow you to add up to 100 cents yeah. per million. Like if they're not interested in saying organic wine, then they could get I away with that. I think they're
2: interested it. in saying organic wine in the conversations that I had with this this person.
0: Could you, could you do both? Yeah. I mean, if you guys decide you wanted to make a white yep, and you just wanted to... You know, because of that, you wanted, you could add sulfates and then just on sure. that one, you could say made with organic grapes and your other ones, you could say organic. Okay. So, like you have that flexibility. I didn't know no that sort of thing. They're
1: fine. They just, you just can't, organic. you know, process things organic and non organic at the same time. And you have to make sure you sanitize all the equipment in between and, you know, have to have a log and keep track of whatever.
0: Got it.
2: Yeah.
0: Like like yep. That makes you know. sense.
2: So you have to rinse it three times in between. So the mead, since they're not, organic because of the honey like like necessarily right, not right. organic because of the honey um anything that's being used on that has to go through like a thorough process of rinsing everything out and cleaning it with it's like uh rinse water uh star sand more rinse water uh what's the other be bright yeah like three more rinses at the end you know wow. to make sure
0: there's wow none of okay.
2: that uh non-organic stuff.
0: no residual yeah. whatsoever gosh i know some winemakers that aren't that cleanly when it comes to you know prepping for a new vintage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: well you know coming from a, a chef background you know sanitation is real big anyway with me and so it's easy to yeah you know, okay
2: it's like in the uh the beer industry it's like if you're gonna get into it you you. You should really like cleaning things.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I used to. I used to say that like winemaking is you know eighty yeah. percent cleaning. Um, and now in in LA, the other twenty percent is <laughs> truck driving, um, <laughs> or driving U hauls. Uh, so I literally uh, never touch grapes. You know, it's just I'm cleaning or driving a truck. Um, <laughs> no, totally not true. But uh, it is a lot of cleaning and. I, 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 you guys have been great. I, this is, I I've, I think it's just awesome to know that you guys are doing that. I want people to know how you're doing it because, and I think people are going to be excited. I, I mean, I'm excited to try it, but I think we're going to be even more excited when we taste this stuff. Um, I think, you know, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a not too concealed mission to promote the kind of thing (laughs) that you guys are doing and uh and i think finding grapes like petite pearl things like that that really can uh you know go toe-to-toe with a vinifera wine um in terms of you know blind tasting people and them loving it and then you know pulling pulling back the reveal like the old whatever Uh, i don't know like Sanka commercial or whatever it was the folgers (laughs) commercial um well <laughs> you know that, i have en- i have yeah. entered that that's petite going way Pearl
1: in the the big e um wine competition along with our our apple pear mead so i'm hoping that it does well we'll see so that we'll know in august you know Fantastic. so
0: yeah but well, you've done well in other things that you've entered your other wines in as well and i guess uh I, my, my question for you, Doug, is, you know, how's retirement? Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Do you feel
0: I mean, retired? Yeah, I've
1: been so busy with things, you know, around here. Um, but <laughs> it, that's the whole idea. I want to keep busy. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm right. still, yeah. you know, like today, Absolutely. every day I make sure I do something, you know, some kind of exercise. If, like, when I spray, uh, I use a backpack sprayer, that's enough exercise for the day, yeah, for sure. And right. so, yeah. and so <laughs> p.m. And so today, I um, actually rode my bike into town to drop off a package to mail. So that was my exercise. And the other days, okay. I'm going mushroom hunting.
0: So, so I, you know, retirement's Ooh, good. Yeah, Nice, <laughs> nice. I think I got an alert about that package that you very mailed. possible is that possible. Gosh okay <laughs> um well you guys thanks so much this is, i've kept you from your evening imbibement uh too long so i really appreciate you taking the time on a friday night like i said to, to do this and to talk about what you're doing it's really awesome to, to know that you're out there Great. i can't wait to try your stuff thank you and and please shout out your your website in ways that you'd like people to to uh, get to know your you
2: vineyards.com it's uh if you search Montpelier Wine on Google, it's the one. Uh, it, it turned out to be a search engine optimized okay. name. Uh, we didn't.
0: Just like the yes. capital of Vermont, you mean?
2: And okay, um, cool. <laughs> The we're Vermont organic wine on Instagram, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Vermont organic
1: wine. Yeah, okay. if you go to the website,
0: fantastic. And you guys do tastings? Do you guys do tastings um, by appointment? We
1: right now we're not. We're just so busy. Uh, I am going to open uh, uh, open it Got up it. to let people come to tour the vineyard. Um, so if they want to come see the, okay. what's going on at the vineyard, I'm thinking next year we're going to have a we're going to have an outdoor tasting room that we're going to build. But this year with all that's going on, uh, we just the weddings.
2: Yeah, so weddings especially. <laughs>
0: Yeah. congratulations um,
2: we do uh, frequently do like in-store tastings with all of our stuff um, yeah. and that is on oh, I got the you. website yeah, yeah. So,
0: so, okay do you post stuff yeah. on Instagram when you have an event like that oh, yeah. for anybody locally or within striking distance yeah. okay great fantastic well thank you guys so much really appreciate it great. this has been awesome Thanks, Adam. Um, you. have a great night <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. And if you did, please do leave a review for the Organic Wine Podcast. It helps a lot, and we want to get the word out to as many people as we can, which your review will help do. Thanks so much.